Tomoka. <laughs> it's been a long, long time. I know I probably would have to reintroduce myself to some. Oh, I doubt that very much. You should know exactly who I am. First, just let me tell you that I've truly, truly, truly missed you. And I'm so honored and glad to have this opportunity to be back. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm excited about getting started today. I'm excited about getting into this message and share. You know, we're celebrating a great time of life right now. You know, this is our Easter time. This is, you know, the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think it's incumbent upon us to really understand just how meaningful that is. So first, just let me share a couple quick things. First off, the Bible is a book written that we will get to know the author instead of just what he wrote. And sometimes we kind of miss that. The Bible reveals this God who loves us unconditionally. So the study of scripture should be to really get to know the author of the Bible, which is God. So each one of the writers wrote from their experiences with God to share those experiences with us in an incredible message. So... It's important for us to know how much God loves us. So as we go through this particular series, as we start today, and it's entitled A Need for Life, I want us to really get the fulfillment of understanding. What happened on the cross is magnified by what happened at resurrection. These two things go hand in hand together to give us this unbeatable, unmatchable victory of being a child of God. And I need us to really be able to put these two events together to show you just how magnificent God's plan was, is, and will forever be to reconcile us, but also to give us life. So are you ready? I know a lot of you know me very well. You know I like to make sure I ask you a question or two along the way. So I'm going to do that again today to make sure that you understand what we are talking about. A need for life. Each and every one of us has a need for life. And I know for some of us it might sound kind of strange. But as we go through the scriptures, it will unveil itself and we'll get a better understanding. Are you ready to have some fun? I know I am. It's been a while. So excuse me if I talk too fast or get too excited. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited about being here. Listen, a need for life. So we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 14 and 15. And it's going to be in the message translation. So if you don't have your Bibles with you, I'm going to give you a minute to go ahead and get, a, get your Bibles and open them up. You may not have this particular translation, but that's okay. The one you have will work. But this is going to be a fun time and I need you to either take notes to write down these scriptures to go to them later or get your Bibles and try to do it now. But we're going to start. Are you ready? Second Corinthians chapter five, starting at verse 14 in the message translation. It says our firm decision is to work from this focused center. Again, real powerful term, but our firm decision is to work from this focused center. How do we start this journey? How are we going to make sure we understand it? Because this thing is going to be somewhat of the foundation that we're going to stand on to make sure we understand. So our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death 
so that everyone also could be included in his life. So you see this, this, this pairing of death and life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. So the scripture tells us that we have been added into Christ's death on the cross, but we're also added into his resurrected life. Resurrected life. Death and life. So we had to die to who we used to be. And that's the terminology about being born again. You had to die to who you used to be. But being born again is also the concept of having this resurrected life. What goes with this resurrected life? How does this thing happen? And this is, again, God's plan to make it happen for us. So let's go to Genesis. Genesis will give us an understanding of what this death or dying, what this actually means. So in Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Listen closely. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now we know this is God speaking to Adam in the garden, telling him if he eats from the tree, he will certainly die. You know the story. <laughs> Eve got, got tricked by Satan in the form of a snake, and he convinced her that it would be a good idea for them to eat, so they ate from the tree. Now, God said that you will certainly die. Did Adam and Eve physically die? No, if they did... I wouldn't be standing here talking to you because they are the mother and father of all mankind, of all nations and all people. So if they physically died, there would be no reason to be here because nothing else would be here. So how did they die? What kind of death are we talking about? In this particular instance, when they ate from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they began to think that they knew what good was and what evil was. And most of the time when people have that concept for themselves... Whatever is good for them will usually be evil for somebody else. It, it's, we really don't know how to balance that well, but God does. So they died. What does that mean? They were separated from a daily interaction with God. Up until this time, God would come down on the cool of the day and talk to Adam, talk to Eve. He would commune with them. They had an intimate relationship with him, not a religion but a relationship. So what happened when they ate that severed the relationship. So now they are in a sense dead to God. They don't longer have access to the things that God had provided for them. So just so we could really understand this, think about this. They are now separated from God. So what things would come from God that they were enjoying every day? It would be love. It would be peace. It would be joy. It would be happiness. These are the things that are coming from God on a daily basis. But now that they are dead to those things, they can no longer access peace, joy, happiness. So what's left for them to have now would be selfish ambition, jealousy, 
discord. So whenever we are separated from God, we are virtually dead. And being dead means we can only be governed by our sinful nature. I sure hope y'all are understanding me today. If we're governed by our sinful nature, then the only thing we'll be able to produce will be selfish ambition, will be jealousy, will be discord. And that's the place we find ourselves because with Adam, we are all born under Adam. So we're all born in the world in that mindset. So what must we do to be relieved of that and be restored to our original Garden of Eden relationship? We are all born dead. We are all born slaves of selfish ambition. Jealousy, envy. And I know some of you out there are saying right now, I'm not jealous. Well, there's also hate and anger and rage. <laughs> so, so that's all part of that thing. So how do we escape that? How do we get restored to something better? Here is the magnificent plan of God. His magnificent plan encompasses this, that we would die with Jesus. His death represented our death as well. So when he died, he paid the price for everything that separated or violated between us and God. He paid for that so we would be reconciled to God. I sure hope you're with me right now. So because of his death and the cross, we were reconciled to God. So, but we're not done because we still need life. We're reconciled, but we still need to be returned to having the access to peace, joy, happiness, love. So let's go to another verse here, and I think it might help us. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. I sure hope you all having fun out there. If you do, just give me a big old amen. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to begin to read at verse number 11. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. Listen closely. And this is the testimony... God has given us eternal life. Let me read it again. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He has given us eternal. How long is eternal? It's forever. And who did it come through? It came through Jesus. So hear me. When Jesus was dead, when he was buried, one of the things that broke the heart of his disciples and all of those, the Peter and all of those guys, they had no idea that Jesus would die. So when he did, they were despondent. They were broken. They, it just broke them because they had no concept that Jesus was going to die. So when they when Jesus died, when he gave up the ghost, when they buried Jesus in the tomb, you have these men that are despondent. They are broken. Peter was asked, weren't you with him? And he denied Jesus three times. Listen, they were separated. But this death that Jesus died began to reconcile us. It began to do part of God's incredible plan. Listen closely. It says, whoever has the son has life. So what happened? Died. Three days later, he rose. What did he do? He broke the back of death. He broke the back of separation from God. He broke the back 
of this thing that separated Adam and Eve in the garden when he said they would surely die. He, he broke the excuse me. He broke the back of that particular thing so we can now have this relationship. Now, please understand what I'm saying. Dying in the in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve was being separated from God, being separated from the access of having peace and joy and comfort and and, and security. But Jesus's death paid the price, which then reconciled us that now gives us an opportunity to be restored to that. But not just completely. When he resurrects, he breaks the back of death. So we'll never be separated from God again. It's eternal. So death can no longer separate us from God. We once we accept Jesus Christ, we had our sins paid for, not by us, but by him. God was pleased with God, with Jesus' participation in this plan, so he accepted us on behalf of what Jesus did for us. Let me just read you something real quick. Hopefully this will help you understand. It says, Jesus Christ gave his life for us. That was on the cross to pay for our sins. He gave his life for us so that he could give his life to us. So he died for us, but now he wants to give something to us, which is his life. Why? So that he can live his life through us. So life means right now I'm restored to peace. I think it's in Galatians chapter five. It talks about the fruits of the spirit. That's what I'm restored to. As I'm led of the Holy Spirit, which is part of God, I'm restored to those fruits. Why am I telling you this? Because we have everyday Christians who are living right now, right this minute. Even some folks who may not call themselves Christians were living beneath our means. Jesus provided something for us that we need to take hold of now. Especially now with this COVID-19, you need to know God promised he'd never leave you nor forsake you. God promised that he would be with you no matter what was going on. So what do you have? You have this restored relationship with God. This is a God who has defeated every enemy. The biggest one was death. The biggest one was separation from God. He took care of that by dying on the cross. And then when he was resurrected, he gave us eternal life. That means death cannot take anything away from us anymore. No matter what happens, you have life. But listen to this verse. And I need us to to really get this because it's important. We're going to go back to John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. Listen closely, brothers and sisters. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life, what kind of life? I came that they would have life, that they would have this reconnected relationship with God. Listen to me. You don't have to cringe in fear, because the word of God says perfect love casts out fear. Death cannot hold you, 
My physical body may go to sleep, but my spirit will remain alive forever and be with God forever. And then one day when he comes back, he's going to give me a different body. Oh, death, where is thou staying? So we're not supposed to live our everyday lives right now in fear. We're supposed to live our lives to the full. Why? We've been set free to serve the living God. Not to cringe. Not to be afraid. But to serve the living God. What gives me that inspiration? What gives me that that thing that allows me to do this? By understanding God's magnificent plan. I would be added into Jesus' death. So I would die. Then I would be resurrected a brand new man. A brand new person. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 2 right now. Colossians chapter 2. I hope you're getting this. I hope it's coming across to you. I hope you're understanding. Because it's important for us to understand life. That means I have life. Life comes through God. It comes through my being connected to God. So I have access to the things that make my life abundant. I have access to the things that make my life exciting. I have access to these things and I need to live them. Why? So I can serve him. So I can be excited about serving him. Let's listen to the verse. It says entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. That means you don't do this. No, you're already in. I didn't write this last night. It's in your B-I-B-L-E. No, you're already in. Insiders. Not through some secretive initiation rite, but rather through what Christ has already gone through for you. Destroying the power of sin. So there's the message for those of you who think you've done something, who think you haven't attained this relationship with God. I need you to know it's already done. Christ has achieved it for you. Stop trying to achieve what you already have. Quick story. A a man out in Wyoming had this farm and, and he was really struggling. I mean, really, really, really struggling. And he didn't know what he was going to do. So he's down to his last couple of potatoes for his family. He's... He's just devastated. So he goes in the house with his family and he's telling them, you know, this may be it, y'all. We may have to just shut this place down and, and I don't know what else to do because we are broke. We don't have anything left. Well, while he's having this conversation, there was a knock on the door. And there were a couple of gentlemen in suits who stood at the door and they said, Mr. Johnson, we're just here to talk to you about something. And he said, please make it fast because I'm just destitute right now. I don't know what to do. They said, listen, we've been checking out your land. And we were wondering if you would give us the right to drill for oil on your land. He looked at them and said, oil on my land? Turns out that Mr. Johnson had the biggest oil reserve on his land than any other place in the United States of America. So the whole time he thought he was destitute, the whole time he thought he was broke, the whole time he thought he didn't have anything, he was sitting on the richest oil field in America, which made him a millionaire overnight. When you don't know what God has already achieved for us, 
when you don't know what God has already done, you keep trying to go after something that you already have. Today, I need you to know we needed life. God gave us life through Jesus Christ. So we are now restored to God. But that's not just the end. He gave us life so we can now live abundantly or lives our lives to the full. Let me finish reading here. I told you I was excited, didn't I? (laughs) If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. Were you where you were stuck in your old dead sin life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. The old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped All of the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them through, excuse me, and marched them naked through the streets. Brothers and sisters, that's powerful. And that's where we are right now. We must understand. When Jesus got up, so did we. When we celebrate in church, he rose. He rose, he rose, and we sing songs about Jesus rising from the death and and standing tall and being above all of the enemies. You are also there. You are also there. We have to learn how to access this thing, how to put it into place so we can begin to live our lives the way God has meant for them to be lived. God loved us in the Garden of Eden. And he loves us now because his love has not changed. So what did he do? He reconciled us to him through the cross. Jesus paid for our sins. Our slate has been wiped clean. And then he says, I'm going to resurrect you like I resurrected Jesus and give you victory over death. Being victory over being separated from me. We are now in tune with God. Not in some mystical kind of way, but listen, you can begin to live your life knowing my sins are paid for. You don't have to lower your head when you go around people. You don't have to live in shame and guilt and disgust and brokenness because these things have been paid for. You can understand that there's no second class citizens in this body of Christ because we all fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we all needed the same thing and God provided it. Not we did anything. All we need to do is accept what he has provided. You know, I could probably go on a heck of a lot longer because you know me, I love to preach and love to teach. But I just need you to hear this. Just listen closely. It says, God's solution, God's solution to the sin issue was the cross. That's where we pay for sins, at the cross. His solution to the life and death issue was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
God has a foolproof plan for us. God initiated a foolproof plan. Brothers and sisters, grab hold to it today. Know that the slate has been wiped clean. You are forgiven. And now it's time to live life to the full. Live it abundantly. You say, well, Pastor Brown, I really don't know how to do that. What Pastor Brown says to you, come back next week and we'll continue to show you how to put into place these incredible things. Would you please bow your heads as we share in a word of prayer? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us this insight about how incredible your plan is for us. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can turn around it, make it turn around. Nothing can delay it. Jesus had already won the battle. And every enemy that came against us in this matter has been stripped of their power and marched through the streets naked. We thank you, Lord, that we can grasp this right now. You came that we would have life. And have it to the full. Some translations say have it abundantly. When? Right in the midst of a storm. Right in the midst of a pandemic. Right in the midst of confusion. We live above these circumstances. Because we are in this world. But not of the world. Brothers and sisters, thank you. And together we all say it. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.